This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Thursday, July 23rd, 2015. I'm Caleb Brown. New York Mayor Bill de Blasio is temporarily backing away from a plan to cap the number of cars offered by ride-sharing services like Uber and Lyft, but he says he'll happily revisit the issue soon. Matthew Feeney, a policy analyst at the Cato Institute, talks about what this decision means. As with other cities in the country, Uber has uh, entered uh, and caused a bit of controversy. Uh, Taxi companies are not happy and local lawmakers are not happy. So uh, the whole fight that uh, has been on display recently between ride-sharing companies like Uber and lawmakers and regulators in New York is actually, although prominent, the only uh, a recent example of ride-sharing companies having to deal with regulators and lawmakers in cities. So what was the argument for trying to limit the number of cars uh, operated by ride-sharing services in New York? So the proposal was that uh, companies like Uber would have to limit the number of new drivers they take on by 1% a year. And this was uh, touted as a measure to combat congestion. Uh, Now, it seems like, uh, at least to me, a rather curious argument to make. Uber accounts for about 20,000 cars in New York City, which is, of course, a city that is full of cars. Hundreds of thousands pour into Manhattan alone every day. It seems odd to me that a 1% increase, which would be about 200 cars a year, is an effective or immediately good way to combat congestion in New York City. Uh, Now, lawmakers, it seems to me, if, if they were very, very keen to combat congestion, there are lots of other things that could be proposed, whether it's congestion charges or tolls. But they went for a strange sort of target, which is a demonstrably popular and innovative set of companies such as Uber. A long time ago, I remember Virginia Virginia Postrel writing a column that basically talked about direct satellite television service. And it was a piece of technology that was deployed, became widely popular all before regulators ever got involved. And by the time regulators did want to get involved, there was a clear dedicated constituency for this product. Yes, and uh, Uber is certainly an example of that. It is a very popular service, and it does fit awkwardly into existing regulatory regimes. And I think uh, the backlash uh, against proposals like the one that we saw recently in New York shouldn't come as a surprise. Uh, Uber is very good at making its customers fall in love with its service. It is very easy to use, uh, and you know it's, it's geographically based. You know People don't have to stay on the street corners. The car comes straight to you. Uh, it's not surprising at all to me that uh, it's become very popular. But the reaction from lawmakers should not be to try and limit uh, the growth of these sort of companies. They should try and accommodate uh, regulations to an extent that allows them to flourish and innovate. But unfortunately, that isn't the strategy taken by many lawmakers, not just in New York, but across the country. In New York, how many taxi cabs are there? There are about 13,500. And those are based on medallions that are essentially uh, rights to run a taxi. You purchase the right to do that. They're very expensive. can come up to close to a million dollars each. And the and the number of Uber cars in New York has surpassed the number of taxis. And the argument was made uh, that, look, you know, Uber is accounting for a huge number of new vehicles. It's even more than the number of taxis. But this is a apples and oranges comparison. It's not the case that one Uber car will have the same effect on congestion as one taxis. Unlike taxis, uh, Uber drivers drive whenever they want and in their own vehicle. Uh, So it's really not a fair comparison at all. One notable thing about New York, most of the people who work in Manhattan take some form of transit to work because it is often prohibitive to try to 
take a taxi either by cost or uh, some other or drive their own cars. Mm-hmm. And it, it would make sense that a car, li- a, a service like Uber, is able to only send out cars when they are desperately needed. Yes, uh, and something else to to keep in mind is also that uh, Uber and and Lyft also, uh, which is another very popular uh, ride sharing service, uh, have uh, carpooling services in place. If people are really worried about congestion and everything, uh, you know, why not uh, ha- at least give technology the chance to address that problem? Uh, it doesn't seem that uh, odd to me to suggest that you know in the future technology will be able to cut down on the congestion problems we have. Uh, you know, in, in discussions about congestion and everything, people were talking about how it's been getting worse recently. And in some ways, that's a sign of good news, which is the economy in New York is getting better and the population is rising. Uh, The subway ridership is at an almost 70-year high. But that is something that the city lawmakers should deal with in appropriate ways. And you know, like I said earlier, there are certain measures in place that could help address this. But cutting down on innovative and popular companies is not the way to do it. Now, uh, interestingly, de Blasio, a Democrat, is now in direct opposition to uh, Governor Cuomo, Andrew Cuomo, who has decided, oh, I'm a fan now. And de Blasio's policies so far have causing a problem. Uh, that's certainly true. Uh, the interesting thing about the the sharing economy more broadly, not just ride sharing, is that it seems to, uh, it's, it's brought up uh, an interesting political dynamic here, which is uh, on local level, as well as on the state level, you have Republicans and Democrats either opposing or supporting the emergence of the sharing economy. And I think it shouldn't uh, and I think that uh, in, in the forthcoming presidential election, it will be interesting to see where the parties eventually end up standing when it comes to the sharing economy. Uh, earlier this month, uh, Hillary Clinton gave a speech where she talked about the, frust- the issues that are raised by what she called the gig economy. Uh, and this has to do with how these workers are classified, whether they're contractors or employees. And I think it will become quite a powerful political constituency, customers and providers of the sharing economy. So what does – when Hillary Clinton says the gig economy, what – how are we supposed to evaluate that? Is she, is she saying that as a pejorative? Well, uh, I, I watched the speech and I'm not sure it was pejorative. I mean she did say that these companies are innovative. Uh, she also said, you know, and I quote, many Americans are making extra money renting out a small room, designing websites, selling products they design themselves at home or even driving their own car. This on-demand or so-called gig economy is creating exciting economies and unleashing innovation. So that sounds quite positive. Uh, but then she went on to say, but it is also raising hard questions about workplace protections and what a good job will look like in the future, which is adding a bit of caution to it all. But I, I do think you know, there's a fight going on in California at the moment about whether whether people who drive Uber are contractors or employees. And depending on how that fight ends up, you could really hamstring uh, this new innovative uh, section of the economy. And I do hope that politicians going forward are very careful when they think about these issues. De Blasio has temporarily backed away from this policy. But as he said, we retain all options. We're going to study this and look at it very carefully. So it's, I guess it's a push at this point. So I, I think it certainly is. Uh, there's going to be a four-month period in which the impact of Uber and ride-sharing on New York will be studied. And it is very possible that at the end of all of that, uh, they will come out saying, look, it is the case that ride-sharing is bad for congestion. And it's bad for the environment. So we're going to go back to the, uh, the cap proposal, which was something uh, initially put forward by the taxi industry earlier this year. So it might be a battle won by the ride-sharing industry, but it's not a war won. This is going to be going on for a while. 
Matthew Feeney is a policy analyst at the Cato Institute. Read more of his work at Cato.org.